These are the bunt hits for Saturday, October 7th. After four two-game sweeps in the wild card round, followed by two rest days, the playoffs resumed with all four divisional series beginning. This round consists of a best-of-five series, with the first two games played at the higher seeds ballpark. The Astros, Orioles, Dodgers, and Braves all returned to play after a five-day break, giving them plenty of time to rest up and reset their starting rotations for the round, getting to deal their top two starters in front of their home fans. However, despite this advantage, there have been many teams in this round that have met rusty opponents and rode their momentum from the wildcard round to move on to the championship series. Let's now take a look at how things started. The earliest game between the Orioles and Rangers had a slight delay due to inclement weather, but for the two teams that hadn't made the playoffs in seven years, this wait was nothing. The Orioles and Rangers, along with the D-backs and the NL, have all had meteoric rises to the playoffs this season, as those three teams finished with over 100 losses just two seasons ago. The Orioles this year won 101 games, and it's largely because of the instant impact of young players such as stud catcher Adley Rutschman, top starter Kyle Bradish, and likely AL Rookie of the Year Gunnar Henderson, that are just 25, 26, and 22 respectively. They've also been incredibly clutch in close ballgames, having the second best record in one-run games and the best record in two-run games. They have had a top-five bullpen, led by all-star relievers Felix Bautista and Yiner Cano, though Bautista unfortunately suffered a late-season injury that resulted in him needing to opt for Tommy John surgery. Baltimore's identity is built on being one of the best comeback teams in the league, and after beating out the Rays and Jays to win the dogfight of the AL East, as well as finishing with the best record in the AL, the Baby Birds have given many reasons for fans to believe that this team is real. The day started with an opening pitch from O's legend Adam Jones, as well as the national anthem being sung by rock and roll legend and lifetime O's fan, Joan Jett. The starting matchup was between Baltimore ace Kyle Bradish and inconsistent Rangers lefty Andrew Heaney. Texas struck first, scoring two off of Bradish, one coming from an RBI double from rookie left fielder Evan Carter. Carter has continued his torrid stretch, getting on base three of four times in this one, and his double made him the third youngest player in postseason history with four extra base hits in a three-game span, with only Miguel Cabrera and Juan Soto being younger to do it. The O's would get one back on a Ryan Mountcastle double in the other half of the inning. Both starters were pulled early, however, Heaney after just three and two-thirds and Bradish after four and two-thirds, meaning that it would be a bullpen battle the rest of the way. Josh Young and Anthony Santander both added one more to their team's tallies with solo shots in the sixth. The Rangers' bullpen, which has had countless implosions throughout the season, but most notably towards the end of the year, leading them to relinquish the AL West crown, would have to now shut down one of the most clutch teams in the league for three innings while holding just a one-run lead. In the seventh, eighth, and ninth, the Orioles started the inning with a leadoff base runner, setting up the Camden Yards faithful to explode with any clutch hit. However, in the eighth, a massive double play started by third baseman Josh Young ended that rally, and an immaculate throw from catcher Jonah Heim nailed Gunnar Henderson attempting to steal second in the ninth, killing all remaining hope for Baltimore, as they would go on to lose 3-2. to 
A head-scratching decision from Henderson to try to nab one late off of Heim, who is tied for the third-best caught stealing percentage of all catchers. Once again, the shaky pen of the Rangers has only bent and not broken once in the playoffs, and now they get to turn to Jordan Montgomery and Nate Eovaldi, who are both coming off brilliant starts in their wildcard victory. The Orioles turn to rookie starter Grayson Rodriguez for a pivotal game two at home. There's no real way to tell how long a sports dynasty will last until it has come to an end. For the Houston Astros, a team that has made the past six AL Championship Series, as well as won two titles in 2017 and 2022, they are hoping to fight off Father Time to continue this incredible run. There were, however, some chinks in the armor revealed this season, as the Strohs had to fight until the last series of the season to seal their fate in the playoffs, as well as win their division. However, the defending champs are built for the postseason, consisting of an offense that kicked into high gear once stalwarts of Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, and Michael Brantley returned from injuries. A rotation that found stability once Houston brought home its ace, Justin Verlander, in a midseason trade with the Mets, and a bullpen that, despite some shaky moments in the regular season, has some of the most playoff experience one could ask from a group of relievers. It was the 40-year-old Verlander that got the ball to start Game 1, and the Twins tried to make him sweat early, but the gutsy righty left a pair stranded to start the game. Bailey Ober got the ball for Minnesota, and he was welcomed to Space City by Houston 5'6 second baseman Jose Altuve. On the first pitch he threw with Altuve swiftly depositing it into the bleachers. Altuve has gone from an unscouted 16-year-old in Venezuela that had to convince Astros scouts to let him try out after being sent home the first day of the camp for being too small, to an up-and-coming prospect on a brutally bad rebuilding Houston squad, to now the longest-tenured member of a dominant powerhouse. With this home run, he is now the second-most postseason home runs with 24, and the fourth most hits in the postseason in baseball history. Jordan Alvarez would get a hold of one as well in the third, making it an early 3-0 Houston lead. Minnesota tried to rally against Verlander, but the three-time Cy Young winner has been here before and proceeded to pitch a brilliant six innings of shutout ball. The Astros hitters did what the Jays hitters couldn't before them, get hits with runners on base, as Jose Abreu and Chaz McCormick both slapped RBI singles to make it 5-0 Houston. Just as things started to look bleak for the Twinkies, Jorge Polanco came up clutch with a big three-run blast, followed up immediately by a Royce Lewis solo shot to bring the game within one. However, Jordan Alvarez is inevitable, as he clubbed his second homer of the day off of lefty reliever Caleb Thielbar, who was brought in specifically to try to neutralize the hulking Cuban DH. Carlos Correa tried to get the Twins back in it with a double in the eighth, but the Astros' pen proved too solid in the end. Houston closer Ryan Presley, who began his career as a twin, notched yet another postseason save, putting him up to fifth most of all time in the playoffs, only behind Mariano Rivera, Kenley Jansen, Brad Lidge, and Dennis Eckersley. With this win, Houston has now won 12 straight divisional round games at home, and it will be Framber Valdez on the bump trying to make it 13 tomorrow, 
against Twins streak breaker Pablo Lopez. The Atlanta Braves were an absolute dominant force in the 2023 regular season. After a 101-win season last year, the Braves only got better and tallied 104 victories, storming their way to an AL East division title. The pitching for Atlanta was solid all year, with some quality starters and good bullpen arms. However, this team is known for their historically dominant offense that led the league in countless offensive statistics, but were highlighted by their record-tying home run total of 307, as well as their team 501 slugging percentage, which is the highest of all time. This team up and down the lineup has absolutely raked, but the two clear standouts have been outfielder and MVP frontrunner Ronald Acuna Jr., who just completed the first 40-70 season in history as he hit 41 home runs and stole 73 bases, as well as first baseman slugger Matt Olson, who led the MLB in homers with 54. Who would be taking the pill for this buzzsaw of a team? 24-year-old strikeout leader Spencer Strider. Strider, in his sophomore campaign, missed the most bats by any pitcher by a large margin, striking out 281 hitters, while the pitcher with the second most amount of Ks, Kevin Gosman, only had 237, a difference of 44 punchouts. His high 90s heater, which drops the least of any fastball in the majors, paired with his wipeout slider, made him one of the most intimidating pitchers to face, and he has had success against the Phillies in the regular season as well, going 8-0 with a 1.9 ERA against them. However, in Strider's biggest start of his career, he took the ball in Game 3 last year against the Phillies in the NLDS and was shell-shocked, allowing five runs in just two and a third innings, the backbreaker being a Reese Hoskins brutal three-run blast which the Braves never could recover from. He would match up against Phillies lefty Ranger Suarez, who was a revelation for the Phils in their World Series run last year. Both started strong, going three scoreless, but it would be the hero of Game 2 for the Phillies against the Marlins, Bryson Stott, who would deliver the first blow with a two-out RBI single in the fourth. Suarez didn't allow a hit for the first 11 Braves hitters that he faced, but after a two-out knock and then a fielder's choice that didn't result in an out, Rob Thompson went to his pen early. A recent trend in the playoffs is that of keeping your starter on an incredibly short leash, so as to avoid lineups getting more than one look at the starter. Most pitchers have worse numbers the second and third times through the lineup, and bullpen arms, though dependent on their strength and depth, tend to have lower odds of allowing runs than starters that have already been seen. Despite Suarez looking good early, Thompson knows that he'll have a rest day tomorrow, meaning his bullpen should be well-rested enough for Game 2, and called on Jeff Hoffman to come in, and he proceeded to strike out Michael Harris III with the bases loaded. The next inning, Atlanta threatened again, but this time it was Acuna Jr. and Austin Riley who were retired by punch-outs to end that opportunity. Postseason hero Bryce Harper stepped up in the sixth and doubled the Phillies' lead with a huge home run, going 115.3 miles per hour off his bat, the hardest hit base hit ever off of Strider. Harper has been a nightmare for Atlanta the past two postseasons, hitting over 500 with three home runs and six extra base hits, and in this one, he went two for two with two walks. 
Strider would go on to pitch seven clean innings, allowing just a single earned run and striking out eight in a redemptive second career postseason outing. However, Atlanta's offense had gone dormant as the Phillies relievers were all putting in shifts, including an inning from rookie Orion Kirkering, a pitcher that has sped through the minors to make it to the bigs just last September and has only pitched in three innings in the MLB before this outing. Jason Stark notes that Kirkering, who 100 days before this game served up a home run to Stanley Consuegra of the Brooklyn Cyclones in the South Atlantic League, now breezed through Braves hitters 1-2-3 in the seventh inning of an NLDS game. A wild ride for the youngster. Meanwhile, the Phillies were being demons on the base paths, stealing five bags in this one, the most in Phil's postseason history, and three of them coming in the eighth inning. Philadelphia would load the bases with two outs when catcher JT Realmuto stepped up to the plate. After falling off a pitch, Realmuto was awarded first base, driving in a run on a catcher's interference. The umpire stating that Realmuto's bat had hit Atlanta's catcher's glove on his swing, being just the second time catcher's interference had been called in the postseason ever, with the last time it being called 98 years ago. After a replay review that did not reverse the call, frustrated Braves fans began throwing bottles and cups onto the field. A bad look for the home fans. Atlanta would avoid any further damage in the inning thanks to a slick fielding play by shortstop Orlando Arcia. In the 8th, the Atlanta bats found life and got runners on 1st and 2nd to start the inning. Home run king Matt Olson slugged a long fly ball to the warning track to get the first out. And then Trey Turner made an incredible diving stop and flip to Stott to begin a breathtaking inning-ending double play. Then, Alabama native Craig Kimbrell, who began his Hall of Fame career closing games for the Braves, came in and shut the door on his old team, winning the game for the Phillies 3-0. Sarah Langs notes that the Phils have now won seven straight postseason game ones, this one confirming that now at least two games in this series will be played in Philadelphia. It was a shocking result for the Braves, who had not been shut out at their home ballpark since August of 2021, over two years ago. Now, in surely a must-win game, they turned to lefty Max Fried, who has been stellar for the Braves, but has battled multiple injuries throughout the season. For Philly, they go back to their ace, Zach Wheeler. The Los Angeles Dodgers have been a dominant force in the National League for the past decade, bullying their division to win the NL West 10 of the last 11 seasons. There has been plenty of turnover for the Dodgers team since their first division title in the stretch back in 2013, and this current iteration of Dodgers is built to hit, having the second best lineup offensively in the game. The line is led by two of the best, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, both boisting OPS Plus numbers over 160 and likely finishing top four in this year's NL MVP voting. Pitching has been a little touch-and-go this season, as despite having a very impressive bullpen with a lot of solid arms to send out this postseason, injuries and suspensions to key starting pitchers has left the rotation less potent than previous seasons. 
with Walker Buehler, Tony Gonsolin, and Dustin May all out due to injury, and Julio Urias being placed on administrative leave following his arrest on suspicion of felony domestic violence. There only remains one starter that began the year in their rotation, and it happens to be the only player that has been on their team since their first NL West title back in 2013, Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw, the 35-year-old Texan, has produced, despite back and shoulder injuries taking a toll on his health the past few seasons. This year, when the Dodgers needed starting pitching help, their generational talent that has solidified himself as one of the greatest lefty starters of all time pitched to a record of 13-5 with a 2.46 ERA. Leading up to this one, it looked all Dodgers, as Kershaw's feasted against Arizona, having gone 15 starts at home in a row against Arizona without a loss. His last loss in Dodger Stadium coming in 2012, when Corbin Carroll was just 11 years old. On the other side of things, as Cespedes Family Barbecue notes, D-back starter Merrill Kelly has gone 0-11 in his 16 games started against the Dodgers, tied for the second most amount of starts against an opponent without an MLB win. In addition, the D-backs are just 7-31 at Dodger Stadium since 2019, the worst record of any road team at any ballpark over that span. However, this Arizona team quickly showed that they are a different team than they were back then. Kershaw was ambushed by the Snakes early, allowing a leadoff double to Cattell Marte, then an RBI single to Corbin Carroll, then a single to Tommy Pham, a double to Christian Walker, and then a three-run blast to catcher Gabriel Marino. Five batters, five runs, no outs for the future Hall of Famer. After recording an out on a sharply hit ground ball by Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Kershaw would walk Alec Thomas, then allow an RBI double to birthday boy Evan Longoria, which would be the last batter he'd face in the night. The Dodgers found themselves staring down the barrel of a 6-0 deficit before their monstrous lineup could even pick up a bat. However, the nightmare had just begun, as in the second, Corbin Carroll launched a solo blast to begin a three-run frame, taking the D-backs' lead up to nine. At one point, Tommy Pham had come up to bat three times already in the game and had gotten a hit in all three at-bats before Dodgers number 9 hitter Miguel Rojas had even come to the plate. Merrill Kelly, with plenty of runway to work with, pitched confidently for the Snakes and ended with a line of six and a third innings, three hits, and five Ks without allowing a run to score. Pham and Alec Thomas added solo shots in the seventh and eighth, the latter coming at the end of a 14-pitch at-bat the most in a plate appearance ending in a home run in the postseason since pitch counts were tracked back in 1988. A pin drop could be heard in Dodger Stadium as they watched their 100-win team trail 11 to nothing. They would score twice to avoid the shutout, but the final score of 11 to 2 still doesn't make things feel any better. Kershaw's had some well-documented playoff blemishes throughout his brilliant career, but none have been worse than this. In fact, this is just the first game in all of Kershaw's 454 career starts in the regular season and postseason in which he was unable to make it through the first inning. The Dodgers will now somehow have to find a way to pick up the pieces and try to bounce back in Game 2 at home with hard-throwing rookie Bobby Miller taking the mound.
Who will they face? Arizona ace, Zach Gallen. The divisional series round is shaping up to be a great one. Today, the AL teams play, and tomorrow the NL teams will play, and we'll cover all the games here on the Bunt Hit Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and please stay tuned for more recaps tomorrow.